Go Tell It on the Mountain is one of the most recognizable and beloved songs in American history. Not only celebrated as a Christmas carol, its origins are rooted in African-American history as an important African-American spiritual. These spirituals were spoken and sung to remind people who were living in slavery that one day they would be free, that their ultimate hope was in Jesus, not in their earthly circumstances. The hopeful tenor of this song has connected for many throughout generations, and it was even used to save a university. John Work Jr. was a professor at Fisk University in Nashville, Tennessee, and led the Jubilee Singers, the school choir. When the university fell on hard financial times in early 1871, the Jubilee Singers were called into action and embarked on an 18-month tour to raise funds for the university and to bring broader awareness of the African-American spiritual. Go Tell It on the Mountain was a featured song in their performances. Their tour succeeded in not only saving the university, but also earned them and the African-American spiritual notoriety across the United States and Europe. Other prominent, traditionally, African-American schools, including Howard University and the Tuskegee Institute, followed their pattern to increase awareness and respect musically. Today, African-American spirituals remind us of the scourge of slavery and the civil rights movement and hearken back to the hope of freedom and equality for all of those who are marginalized. They, like the hopeful message of Jesus they are rooted in, give us all a reason to go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Well, hey there, church. I want to welcome all of you to week three in our journey toward Christmas. And with Christmas just over a week away, I hope you're ready. Ready or not, here it comes. So I hope you're ready. It was just two weeks ago, though, that we jumped with both feet into a conversation to help us understand what we hear at this time of year. Some of the sounds of the season, if you would. Because we understand that God is a God who's constantly speaking. He, he's trying to speak to us. And so with the help of some music, some songs of Christmas and scripture, we've been trying to understand what he has said and what he is saying. What he said that first Christmas and what he's even saying this Christmas. He's consistently and constantly speaking, and, and that begs the question of us of whether or not we're listening. So last week in our conversation, we kind of walked through a principle that I want to review if you were here or catch you up if you missed it. It just comes from the idea that God is speaking all the time. He speaks to us. He speaks love and encouragement, hope, wisdom. He speaks. So as he speaks, we can hear. He's speaking to us. He's not trying to hide his voice. He speaks in a way that we can hear. The reality is, though, that hearing is passive. It happens to us. Uh, we don't necessarily even know it's coming. It, it's a passive posture. But hearing needs to lead to listening. If we hear something, we can listen, but that's a choice. It's an option to move from hearing to listening. And listening is not passive. Listening is active. Because listening leads us to whatever the next is. Whatever the next thing God is wanting us to know, to understand, to perceive, to step into. Hearing leads to listening. Listening leads to our next. As God speaks, we can walk this process. We need both hearing and listening. One without the other is lacking. But listening bridges what we've heard to what we're positioned to step into next. 
Now, this is an important concept. You want to get more about it, you can get online and check out last, week, last week's message. But I just wanted to review for those of you that were here and catch you up if you weren't. Because this is foundational to the conversation we're having today. Because uh, today I actually want to go somewhere and dig in a little bit deeper into something very familiar, but do it in an unfamiliar way. I want to look at something that is very well known in a less known way. And, and do it with the help of one song and one specific event in history. That event in history is actually captured in Luke chapter 2. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and grab it and turn there if you'd like. Luke chapter 2 is kind of the go-to Christmas passage for many of us because it has a lot of the details of that first Christmas night. You can put your thumb there. We're going to land there shortly. But the song, as you already know, is Go Tell It on the Mountain. And it's a simple song, but it's layered with content and rich history. And it reminds us all that we have a story to tell. If we just look at the first stanza of that song, it says, Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Now, this may not be the number one song in your Christmas playlist. It may not even be a Christmas song that you strongly identify with. But it is a Christmas song, and it's actually maybe more fitting or relevant than, than many people realize. Because this journey of Christmas, the reality of Christmas is that Christmas is a time to tell. Christmas is a time to tell. It's a chance. It's an opportunity to tell. And you may say, yep, I get it. But before you lock into understanding what that means, I want to just invite you to hold the thought. Because there's more. Because to, to tell is not just about talking. It's, it's something bigger that we need to understand. We need to understand the word tell more fully. So there's more. In fact, I just want you to hold that thought before you lock in and, and invite Bendorf and Aquani guys here with the Rock Island crew. Just turn to somebody next to you and in your best infomercial voice say, but wait, there's more. Go ahead and do it. Turn to somebody and say, but wait, there's more. Good. Christmas is a time to tell, but wait, there's more. There's more. It's not just about talking. Now, here's the deal. The English language does some pretty funny things sometimes. Where we can take a word that sounds the same, could be spelled the same, pronounced the same, but have totally different meanings to what all sounds like it's the same. We actually have three words that describe what I, that dynamic I just spoke of. These words are homonym, homophones, and homographs. Now, these are big words. Don't worry, relax. Let me just explain what they are. A homonym is a word that sounds the same but has a different meaning. A, a homophone is a word that sounds the same, has a different meaning, but it's spelled differently. And a homograph is actually a word that sounds the same. It can be pronounced differently, but it's spelled the same with a different meaning. So, Again, that can sound complicated. Relax. I'm not trying to give you an English lesson. I'm trying to position us to understand the dynamic when it comes to understanding that Christmas is a time to tell. See, let me sh show you some examples of these three things. A homonym. An example would be pen. A pen is a writing instrument. A pen is also an enclosed area by a fence. That's a homonym. It spelled the same, sounds the same, different meaning. If we go to the next one of a homophone. Dough as in deer or dough as in unbaked bread. Sounds the same, spelled differently, different meanings. And we get to a homograph, well, that's like a minute, 60 seconds, or minute, as in tiny. All right? It's, you have the same sounds, different meanings, different pronunciations. These are the realities. Now, again, I am not trying to give you an English lesson. There's a point to all this. Do you want to know what it is? Of course you do. Of course. Tell is a homonym. 
tell is an homonym. It is not just about talking. There's more to it. There's depth to it. Tell is a very unique word, especially as a verb. There is this dynamic of speaking, declaring, telling, saying. I get that. In fact, we can use the word tell and we can tell about and we can tell of and we can tell on and we can tell off as well. But we shouldn't do that. To tell is unique as a verb. It has lots of different uses. And it, it, is, it is this idea of speaking and declaring, but it's also knowing. It's about, it's knowing. In fact, let me give you three definitions of tell that will kind of frame our conversation. The first one is to make known, to divulge. It's, it's about knowing. Now, the second one is just about finding out by observing. So it's, it's observing that we can tell. It has nothing to do with words or speaking. It's observing. The third definition I want to put out there is to convey, to declare. This is what we often think about when we say tell. It's that declaring moment where we're conveying information, speaking with lots of words. See, these are some of the definitions of the homonym tell. And again, I'm inviting you into a thinking that's bigger than you may want to track. I don't want you to think just about talking. When we say that Christmas is a time to tell, it's much bigger than that. It's unique. Now, so when we say Christmas is a time to tell, we're saying that Christmas is a time to be known. Christmas is a time to observe. And Christmas is a time to convey. Christmas is a time to tell. It's unique. And there's actually a noun expression of tell that we're going to get to in a few moments, but there's three words I want to put in your headspace as we continue forward today. It is to reveal, to recognize, and recount. When we say that Christmas is a time to tell, it's a time to reveal, it's a time to recognize, it is a time to recount. There's a difference between telling, telling, and telling. Yet Christmas is a time to tell. See, there is an actual telling sequence that allows us to live into the fullness of that word and to live into the fullness of Christmas. It, it, the reason I'm even unpacking this positions us to connect to everything else we've already been talking about in this series. As I already acknowledged at the beginning, that God is constantly speaking. And when he speaks, he positions us with an opportunity to hear we can hear him, but hearing is passive, so we really have the opportunity to step into a place of listening. Listening is active. Listening is engaging. Listening is, is moving outside of something that happens to us, but embracing and moving forward, which really positions us to step into a next. This is a sequence that is a reality for God as he interacts with us. And again, if you want to understand this more, get online and check out last week's message. But what I want to invite you to understand about this today and the reality that Christmas is a time to tell is that this is a space to tell. When God speaks, when, when we hear and listen, this is a space to tell. And then when we step out of that into our next, that is a space to tell. An opportunity and a space to tell, to tell, to tell. Now, that seems really repetitious and maybe not clear yet, but hang with me because when God speaks, when he tells something, he is actually revealing to us. He reveals. When he tells, when he declares, he reveals, which positions us in a space to engage our own expression of telling, where we can recognize what he said, we can, we can recognize. He makes things known and we can recognize them. We can actually step into a place where we receive what he has said. This is active, it's engaging, it's participatory. 
And then we have the next space of telling, which is a space to recount. Listen, we can't tell what we can't tell, even if we've been told. But our God reveals, he speaks, so that we can recognize and receive, so that we can ultimately recount. This is how he moves, and Christmas is a time of telling. Are you tracking with me? I hope so. Here we go. Let's take a look at a specific example of this, the historic example of what I want to play this out in action. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to that Luke chapter 2 verse, uh, verses again. And we're going to lean into understanding this in a specific expression where the shepherds, a very well-known moment, the shepherds find out that the Messiah has come. And as we walk through this space, it's going to potentially give us an understanding, a greater appreciation of that Go Tell It on the Mountain song, but also creating a space for us to see the telling sequence. And I encourage you as you read through this to recognize where the listening and hearing takes place, where the telling takes place. Circle it, underline it, highlight it, whatever you want to do. But we're starting in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to start with verse 8 and read down through as we go. So you can follow along up here in your own Bible or in your note guide. That night there were angels staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Okay, so for many of us, this is a very familiar passage that I want to dig into in maybe a less familiar way. When the angel shows up that night by their appearance, and, and by the accompanying glory of God that was with them, it breaks the silence of that night. It, it interrupts the darkness and quiet of that evening. And it would have been something just inherently to tell, to recognize, to receive, but also to recount. It was something worthy of telling, but there's a bit more in the conversation here because when the angel shows up and gives good news, uh, good tidings in other translations, literally... What's that saying is that he preached the good news. He preached the gospel. He preached or told the story of Jesus, the coming of Jesus. And what's very interesting to me is that they did it to, they told that to shepherds. Because shepherds was a very interesting choice for all the people in the nation of this time. Because shepherds were not considered to be people of great character or reputation. They actually weren't even allowed to testify in legal matters. Because their integrity or their character was questioned. They, they had a reputation of being a people who, who were confused about what they owned and didn't own as they walked across the countryside tending flocks. Yet, yet God chooses to send an angel to invite them to tell what they were told. It's this beautiful moment of invitation, not only for them, but for us. Now, some scholars think that these shepherds could have been the very same shepherds that tended flocks that had lambs in them that would have been offered in sacrifice in the temple. 
And if you understand the nuances of Jesus as the Lamb of God offered in sacrifice for us, there's a really cool connection in that dynamic. But we don't really know if they did. If that's true, that's cool. But it doesn't matter because in the end, God chooses to invite these guys to be the ones to tell. Not just declare in recounting, but to tell in recognizing, to tell in receiving, ultimately also to recognize as well. It's a beautiful dynamic because Christmas is a time to do that. Now, I want to narrow our focus for a moment, uh, keeping that, that tell is more than just talking. I want to narrow it slightly to just understanding some of the dynamics about communication when it comes to telling. Just for a few moments, because I think sometimes we struggle to tell. Sometimes I think we can't tell. Sometimes we maybe even shouldn't tell. And if you've ever been in any meaningful relationship in your family, you've dated somebody, or you're married to somebody, you know that any communication takes an art. (laughs) That the reality is the content is only one part of communicating, that the delivery is another. It's not just about what we say, it's also about how we say it. And there's a fundamental reality for us that how we tell is just as important as what we tell. Okay? It's not just what we say, it's how we say it. Spouses, you've been married any length of time, dated somebody a long period, you know it's not just what we say, it's how we say it. Can I get an amen? Amen. You bet. Yeah, that's right. Okay? So it's it's how how we tell is important. So how we recognize. Do we recognize reluctantly or do we recognize readily? How we tell and recognize is just as important as what we tell. How we receive is just as important as what we receive. Are we receiving fully or in part? How we recount is just as important as what we recount. Are we we recounting the whole story? Are we recounting the story to just ourselves or to others? How How we tell is just as important as what we tell. And I think we understand that if we've ever been in any meaningful relationship, we, we get that idea. And I want to just take a moment to show you a helpful example, maybe even an insightful one, about this dynamic in particular. So I invite you to sit back and enjoy this short and potentially humorous video. Take a look. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop would... trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're out. not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like there's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Yeah, I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just... Don't... Try to see things my way. Do I have to keep on talking till I can go? 
I get an amen? Oh, my goodness. It's not just what we say. It's how we say it. And listen, sometimes the thing we want, the thing we desire, the thing we need can be right there. But we're not hearing and listening. We're not willing to recognize and receive what we need to know to get to the next. What we say and how we say are important. They're connected. No matter how obvious we think something may be. How we tell is just as important as what we tell in any dynamic. And if you've been in a space of relationship with anyone, of a meaningful space where you've needed to be someone to communicate a, a, a piece of information, you know that sometimes it's hard to do that. We can struggle to tell. But I think in those spaces, especially if they're marked with pain or something personal, we need to actually take a page out of God's playbook and create on-ramps for people to recognize and receive what we're trying to say or tell or reveal. To, to create this space for them to intersect and understand. How, how we tell is just as important as what we tell. And we don't just want to throw information at people. We want to invite them into understanding. An understanding that ultimately leads to the next. And in any meaningful relationship with people, we know it can be hard, difficult, challenging. It's not easy to tell. It takes effort. It takes effort to recognize, receive, and recount on our, on our own, let alone help somebody else do that. Yet again, Christmas is a time to do so. It's a time to tell. It's a time to know. It's a time to recognize. It's a time to receive. It's a time to recount. But we can struggle to tell. Yet I, what I find interesting about the shepherds, that they didn't struggle with it at all any part of it. They didn't miss a beat. They didn't allow anything to get in the way of walking the telling sequence. When God revealed through the angel what was going on, they realized the, the significance of it. They, they recognized, they, they received the reality, and then they went and recounted. And they end up being people who come back around, and they actually become part of revealing as they go around and tell people. And the people that they told were amazed, even though the people didn't quite understand everything they heard. They knew something was different with those shepherds. Those dudes were different. These, the, these shady characters that maybe they didn't trust, now, something's different. They had joy, they had passion, they had conviction, they had commitment. There was something different about the dynamic that they saw in them. It was partly because of what they were saying, but also because of how they were saying it. You know, there's been lots of studies about communication and how we relate to people. And, and it's pretty clear that 7% of communication is content, what we say. But 93% is how we say it. I don't know if you've heard that stat before. 7% is what we say, 93% is how we say it. Of the 93%, 38% of what we say is tone. It's tone. 55% is body language. It's everything else we're communicating. So the reality is, how we tell is just as important as what we tell. 93% of our communication is coming out of tone and, and our body language. It's, it's the how where only 7% is coming out of our what. Now this connects for me in, in this conversation around telling because within bluffing games, games like poker, there is this thing called a tell. That's the noun version of the word tell. And it's a change in a behavior that reveals something about us. It, the noun is a, it's a reflective, habitual behavior. And I'm going to tell you, some of you have some pretty obvious tells. And your family knows it. And they exploit it every time you play a game. They know it. But, for me, Beth has told me any time that I'm trying to play a joke on her, that my tell is that my nostrils flare. That's good to know. 
I try to make sure my nostrils don't flare when I'm playing a joke on her. We all have tells. Some have obvious ones, some not so obvious. But the reality is that a tell is this change in behavior. In fact, let me just give you a more clear definition. A, a, a poker tell or a, a, a bluffing tell is a change in a player's behavior or demeanor that gives clues to the player's status or condition in the game. So it's a change in behavior or demeanor that gives a clue or indication to the status and condition of the person. I think that anyone who follows Jesus should demonstrate that in their life. A change in behavior and demeanor that gives a clue to the condition of their life. The definition goes on to say that other players gain insight if they observe and understand the change in that player's behavior. Particularly if the tell is reliable. I think if we have heard and listened, if we have recognized and received, we're positioned to recount, to live for Jesus, there should be a change in our behavior that allows others to gain insight into who we are now as a result of that change. Do you have a tell when it comes to Christmas? I wonder if there is enough change in your behavior that someone can see it and gain insight from it because of the Christmas dynamic. And not just at Christmas, but year-round. See, the shepherds had that. People were amazed. They could see the change in their behavior, and that changed the entire dynamic. I wonder if you have the same thing. See, if we were to insert ourselves into this whole paradigm, we just drop ourselves right in here, and we're people on a journey. When God speaks, when, when God uses angels to speak to the shepherds, there is this space and opportunity for us to know to have this knowledge. Uh, we hear something, we know what happened, we've heard it over and over, we have a knowledge. But we need to move from hearing to listening. And so our ears are a way to do that. Our eyes, as we look deeper into what's been said, this is a space that we can actually move deeper in our understanding. But when we have that, now we have a mouth that allows us to declare what we know. And of that, there's this tone of voice. Only 7% of what we say is, is part of communication. 38% is how we say it. And 55% is our body. It's how we're acting. It's our behavior and demeanor. And as a people of God, when we put feet into the faith that we have and we move out in a posture of recounting, just as the shepherds did, declaring, now we're part of this reality that Christmas is a time to tell. It's an opportunity to step fully into not just knowing, but understanding and engaging and recounting. And as I said, the shepherds were people who recounted that then became part of the people who revealed. You know, that, that night when the shepherds went around <laughs> singing praises and declaring what they had experienced, it wasn't just for them. It wasn't just for the people they talked to. It was for us. It was for us to know. It was for us to recognize and receive and, and to respond to in, in recounting and telling, declaring. Christmas is this unique thing. It's, it's not just someone else's story. It's, it's our story. It's our opportunity for good news, glad tidings, for rescue. If we'll step into the dynamic. The reality of Christmas is it brings the opportunity or the possibility of joy amidst sorrow. That there can be hope amidst failure. That broken relationships can be healed. That there can be forgiveness for mistakes. That's something to tell not just to recount, but to recognize and receive. It's the beauty and wonder of what Christmas is. Christmas is a time to tell. It's the greatest rescue 
operation in all of history. And as we step further into Christmas this season, we have the opportunity to live fully into the telling. But that often takes courage to do that, to, to, to know God and to make him known. You know, for some of us, you've been postured with hearing about God, hearing about Jesus, but you've been unwilling to risk in releasing control to fully know him. And it's going to take an element of courage to say, I release control because I want to know you. I want to be able to tell who you are. I want to be able to tell that you love me. I want to be able to tell what you're calling me to. To know him. There's another component of making him known, which takes courage as well. It takes courage to go up on the mountain and tell about him, to recount, to relay. But our God promises to help us in both dynamics, to know him and to make him known. In Jeremiah 33, we find some very specific words about this. It said, this is what the Lord says, he who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, the, the Lord is his name. And he says this, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. He's saying, look, you, you call upon me, I will reveal things you don't know. Unsearchable things. That literally it means mighty things. It's speaking to things that are outside of our reach, that without some divine help we can't get to. And, and the shepherds had divine help that night through the angels to be able to understand unsearchable things, those mighty things, those great and unreachable things. They experienced that. They had access to it so they could recognize, receive, and respond by recounting what they had encountered. They had it, but we can have it. God told Jeremiah and those of that day that, look, if you step towards me by faith, you give trust toward me, you ask of me, I will answer. And he will do the same for you and I. If we're willing to listen, if we're willing to tell and recognizing and responding, he will speak. We can know him and we can make him known. The question is, are we actually doing it? Christmas is a time to recognize and receive, but also recount. And since God reveals great and unsearchable things, I wonder, how are you to tell what you've been told to this point? How are you to tell what you've been told? I mean, the reality of Christmas is that, that we can tell what has happened, what can happen, and will happen. This is the reality of Christmas, that we can tell we can know what has happened we can have understanding around what can happen and will happen but also with a more forward lean see here's the thing you may be living a life where you haven't been able to make sense of the past you can't make sense of the mistakes you've made the things that people have done to you or around you but the reality is that because of christmas we can make sense of that because of jesus we can tell what happened we can know and understand. We can embrace, find forgiveness, move forward in a redemptive way out of the things that shouldn't have been. We can understand what has happened. We can actually understand, we can tell what can happen. Like today, just because Jesus came, it's, it's not just that something that was, it's something that is and something that will be. So we can tell what will happen. There's a future lean to the reality of Christmas. It's the beauty of what he has done in and through us. It's a beautiful thing. Jesus did come. His reality of that is present. To, it has a reality for today, but also one for the future. It's beautiful. In fact, it was the prophet Isaiah who spoke to this. He said this, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The one who's willing to tell. Beautiful. The one who's willing to go to the mountain and tell. 
the good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. It is a beautiful thing when we're willing to go to the mountain and tell. To know him and to make him known. Now, I realize that the Go Tell It on the Mountain song is primarily about the recounting, the declaring portion of what it means to tell. But I think there's great value in hearing and listening to the song differently this year, this Christmas. And I hope that this conversation changes the way you listen to it. I, I hope you never hear it the same again. But more importantly, I hope it changes the way you hear and listen to God as one who reveals and invites us to recognize and receive and into a purpose of recounting. Christmas is a time to tell. In fact, I actually want to leave us with a question. What's your tell this Christmas? What's your tell this Christmas? There is one. Maybe your tell is something that you actually need to know. What's, what's the thing you need to know? What's the thing you need to recognize or receive? It, your tell is actually about you because the journey of relationship to God needs to take a next step. Maybe that's your tell this Christmas. We all have something to tell, but maybe if you already know him, he's positioning you to recount. He's positioning you to respond in some way into a next level reality. What's your tell this Christmas? Maybe it's to live differently so people see a behavior change in you and now they have an insight into what that can look like in their lives. Maybe it's just more intentionally communicating. You're going to look at how you're communicating, not just what you're communicating. What's your tell this Christmas? And again, maybe it's just for you to know to fully embrace and respond to by recognizing and receiving what Jesus did and why he came and you and I cannot measure how God will work and move through us when we have the right tell when we're deeply rooted in relationship with Jesus and it's this season that gives us a chance to do that because we have a story to tell either to lay hold of it and to know it or to declare it and make it known. What you tell this Christmas, Jesus, Jesus came, he, he came and he saves. And there's no better reason than, to go, than that, to go up on the mountain because he was born. What you tell, there's an invitation for all of us to engage Christmas and interact with Christmas out of a tell. Again, it could be just for you to know, but maybe you have to consider what you've been told that needs to be heard. You need to think through what has been spoken that needs to be told. And maybe there's someone in your life that you can invite into hope and joy and peace this Christmas because you're willing to tell. You're willing to position them in a telling sequence of knowing and receiving and stepping into their next. I don't want you to miss your opportunity to tell. Maybe it's that specific invite to have somebody join you at a Christmas gathering across the network sometime in the next couple weeks as we head into Christmas. An opportunity for them to walk the, their own journey. What's your tell this Christmas? Where is God asking you to recognize, receive, recount? You have a next tell. I challenge you to step boldly into it. You may have already noticed and maybe even elbowed your partner earlier and person sitting next to you let you know that or tell them that every fill-in today was the word tell <laughs> surprise that was on purpose because I don't want you to miss the invitation to tell see we we can't tell what we can't tell 
even if we've been told. But God lovingly reveals so that we can recognize and receive and then ultimately recount. Christmas is a time to tell. I hope that you don't look at Christmas or the Go Tell on the Mountain song the same ever again. Because the invitation as he speaks is into a next if we're willing to walk that telling sequence. For some of you, it sits right here. He has declared, you already know, you've heard it before, but you've never stepped into relationship by recognizing and receiving what he's done. And that's your next. If that's that for you, in the back of the note guide is a prayer and steps to step here. This is your tell this Christmas. For some of you, you've already done this. And there's a specific person that you're to invite. There's a specific person you're to communicate with. And you need to think about how you're communicating and not just what you're communicating. But you're going to be part of revealing what they can recognize and receive and respond to. And then for some of you, you've made this decision, but the behavior hasn't changed in your life. And Jesus is inviting you to live differently. As people who hear and speak and act, but also go. Whatever your tell is this Christmas, I pray you step and step boldly. Christmas is a story. Christmas is a narrative. Christmas is an opportunity and a chance to tell. I pray that you will have the courage to do so in his power and in his name. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I am so grateful that you are a God who loves enough to create a, a way to know, a way to respond in a way to be part of something bigger than us. Lord, help us to tell, to know and embrace, to realize what you've called us to. Help us to tell in, in recognizing and receiving all that you offer. But help us to tell in the way that we recount, the way that we convey. May we be a people this Christmas who walk that telling process in a way where you are glorified where we step deeper in relationship with you and others around us experience the glory, the power, and the love that's demonstrated in the reality that you sent your son that first Christmas. So thank you for this time. May you continue to lead as we continue to be willing to go to the mountain to know, to go to the mountain to speak, to go to the mountain to worship because Jesus Christ is born. We pray these things in his name. And everybody said, amen.